the opening question was, where's the market going 2023? So I'm going to share with you what I see and what I think might happen. And then more importantly, what do we do? Um, now, again, this timestamped Wednesday, December 21st, it'll be published as a podcast for public consumption. So one year from now, we can all look back on this and see if Dale's opinions uh, were even remotely close. Um, but here's what remains to be true. Nobody has any clue what's going to happen. In 2023, we could very well see the market potentially retest and push through the lows that we've established in 2022. I'm hearing a lot of talk about a recession that's coming. I've said a couple times this year that I think actually the recession may have already started with where we are in some parts of the economy, like just the cost of food and gas and um, tech company layoffs happening and things like that. Well, that was from episode nine of the Financial Purpose podcast, which was released in December 21st, 2022. And that was my uh, take on what I thought might happen for 2023. So was I right? Let's get started. Welcome to the Financial Purpose podcast. All opinions expressed by me or guests of the podcast are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Life Moves Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any financial or investment decisions. Clients of Life Moves Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Hello, I'm your host, Dale Schaefer, and here's another great episode starting now. Let's go. And welcome to episode 34 of the Financial Purpose Podcast. And this one is titled, The Year No One Called. And I considered calling it The Year That No One Called Correctly because everybody literally has been waiting for the most forecasted correction and recession, if you will, of all time. And it still has not showed up. So there was some expectation that we would see slowdown in 2023, that a recession would show up in 2023, that the stock market would continue correcting after a really bad year in 2022. And here we are a year later, and uh, we have not seen the recession. In fact, we've seen the opposite. Um, we've seen a massive increase in the Fed funds rate over the past two years. We've seen the stock market rally off from uh, lows from a really abysmal year. We've seen the bond market come back. We've seen jobs continue to be uh, strong. We've seen the labor market continue to work. We have seen inflation uh, go very, very high, come down very, very far. And here we sit, no recession. And it's not just me. It's really uh, advisors. Most of the podcasts that I listen to it's, um, you know, the market prognosticators on the TV. Nobody saw this year coming. And if you would have spotted us the information that we have now a year ago, we would have said absolutely not possible, crazy, not going to happen. But here we are. I thought I would spend this podcast. I'm not going to go through a bunch of numbers. I wrote down notes and there's numbers and percentages. And if this, then that. And we could see, you know, this much percentage of a rally, but I'm not going to bore you with that. But I do want to talk about just kind of a couple of things. I've got four key points written down and um, really just kind of bakes into where we are currently in 2023, where we're headed in 2024. 
not only in the markets and in the economy, but also, as always, anytime that we're talking about the markets and the economy, it all comes back to how does it impact your business? How does it impact your personal financial planning? And what adjustments might we need to make along the way based on what you're trying to accomplish and and based on your stated financial purpose? So starting with where we are with the Fed, uh, since 2022, remember the Fed started raising rates in March of 2022, we went from a range of zero to 0.25. Uh, this time last year, we were sitting at 4.25 to 4.5. And remember, with the Fed, I think I've said this in prior podcasts, the Fed cannot set the exact rate. They can only set the range. And then the member banks will kind of negotiate where the rate is uh, between there. And typically, they fall right in the middle. So as an example, so based on the current example, the Fed funds rate is currently in a range of 5.25 to 5.5. And if you were to look at what the actual Fed funds rate is, it's going to say 5.38. So it's right in the middle. That tends to be where it lands. So the Fed funds started again, March of 2022. They were at zero to 0.25, all the way up to four and a quarter to four and a half. This year, they added another full uh, percent of rate hikes in. So we're currently in a range of five and a quarter to five and a half. And when we look at the Fed funds rate going that high, we would think that there would be all sorts of of impact and fallout. Uh, I mean, we looked at the stock market in 2022. The Fed started raising rates. Inflation peaked at 9.1% in June of 2022. And we finished the year respectively with the Dow Jones at negative roughly nine, the S&P at negative 16 or 19.6, read that number backwards, S&P negative 19.6 and the NASDAQ negative 33 and a half. And that's kind of what we expected to see continuing into 2023 because the markets really didn't have a whole lot of good news. The Fed was continuing to raise rates. We didn't know when they were going to stop, inflation was still relatively high. It was somewhere in the five to six range, as I recall, a year ago. And we fast forward, it's now December of 2023. Inflation's at 3.1%. Unemployment's at 37 so still a strong job market. But the indices flipped their returns. And so respectively, looking at where we are today, we have a actually i'm going to pull today's numbers rather than looking at that um the dow jones is up 13 percent s&p is up 24 percent and the nasdaq's up a whopping 53 almost 53 and a half percent so quite a stark difference year over year and that's just the way that the market works uh and then for bonds we were looking at potentially going into what would have been our third year of negative bond returns. That had never happened before. But over the past two months, bonds have returned almost 9%. And uh, and that's a, that's a big return when you factor in their, the bond price return plus their yield. And the reason that bonds are rallying is because yields are starting to come down and have fallen kind of sharply compared to where they were. So Bond prices and bond yields work in uh, in a seesaw or what we call an inverse relationship, whereas bond yields come down, 
longer term bond prices are going to go up faster. And that's exactly what's happening. We're actually seeing large cash outflows from money market accounts and money market mutual funds and ETFs into longer dated or longer maturity bond funds because those are going to move more. It's estimated that for every 1% rise or fall in the Fed funds rate, you're going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of about 7 to 8% bond price uh, difference. And so if you're going to have the Fed discounting rates and the market is pricing in three rate cuts in 2024, Fed Jerome Powell said in his press conference last week after the FOMC meeting that they're they're thinking that maybe they would have three rate cuts in 2024, probably to the tune of about 75 basis points in total. So as I said earlier, if the Fed funds range right now is at five and a quarter to five and a half, that would bring the range down to four and a half to 4.75. And we'll see if that actually holds. So the market is pricing this in. They're actually uh, giving an estimate of about 70% likelihood that the first rate cut will come in the March FOMC meeting. And uh, if that happens, then we're going to see some movement in both bonds and stocks. What I find to be interesting is I don't really know that the Fed will need to be very dovish, meaning likely to cut very quickly, because even with rates where they are, we still have unemployment at 3.7%. We still have the CPI or the Consumer Price Index or the Inflation Index year over year, currently at about 3.1%. And all of that's happening. If we think about everything that 2023 brought us, we we still are seeing a global uncertainty. Russia and Ukraine are still fighting. Israel and Hamas are killing each other left and right. Uh, we've had union labor strikes all year across multiple industries, and they have been able to get more money. So they've been able to negotiate successfully for their union members. We have uh, we had a debt ceiling standoff again uh, here in the United States in our uh, government bodies in D.C. We had our U.S. credit rating downgraded by Moody's because we're sitting currently at about 130% of GDP when you look at our national debt. Um, and the ability for the United States to continue to service the debt that we have outstanding is naturally higher. Uh, it's or harder, naturally harder when rates are higher. And so maybe when rates come down, in theory, you'll be able to service the debt more. Now, as rates stay up and inflation stays up, you kind of inflate away some of that debt. I talked about that in a recent podcast episode. But rates come down, then the government will have an easier time servicing their debt. But nevertheless, we still have credit rating downgraded. We had in March the Silicon Valley Bank uh, implosion and regional bank failures that uh, kind of we, we thought were going to catch contagion, but they were able to get contained pretty quickly. We had mortgage rates hit 8% this year. The prime rate is currently at 8.5%. It's more expensive to buy cars, not because the car prices are high. They've actually been coming down, but because the car loan rates are higher than what we're used to seeing. Credit card rates as a function of interest rates going up. Credit card rates are in the 20s. The average credit card rate is somewhere in the neighborhood of about 24.9 or more. Um, we have lots and lots of uncertainty, yet we kind of keep chugging along and the Fed knows this. So I don't know why 
um, the market is so apt to price in an immediate rate cut in March and uh, and expect that the Fed's just going to jump on that and continue to cut because if if they can sustain a functioning economy and hit their targets and their mandates, which is 2% rate of inflation and a healthy labor market, which puts unemployment somewhere in the neighborhood of 4 to 4.5% four on average, we're kind of in striking distance of those two goals. In theory, if they were to cut rates, maybe we actually go backwards. Maybe that creates more price inflation in some areas. Because if you think about rates coming down, I said mortgage rates hit a high of uh, 8% or so this summer. They just actually ticked down to just below 7%. And uh, remember, the Fed does not set borrowing rates, but Fed policy influences the bond market, which drives borrowing rates. And so if the Fed were to bring rates down, and especially if they were to cut at subsequent meetings or every time that they met next year or certainly three times in a row, then you would see rates come down. The bond market would respond. Yields would come down. Prices would go up. And so if yields come down, then in theory, you're also bringing borrowing rates down with it. And uh, we don't have enough supply in the housing market for that to be healthy. And so we currently have prices that are artificially inflated because of the imbalance in housing. There's too many people chasing too few homes. That would actually get quite a bit worse, likely. And, and there's no incentive still for a lot of people to sell their homes because if, they're, if their only consideration is, oh, we want to upgrade or we want to downgrade or we want to move to a new city, if you're sitting at a 3% mortgage, and you know that you're going to have to buy another house. So number one, you have to find a place that's suitable for your family. And then number two, you actually have to afford it. You're going from a 3% mortgage to a 6 or 7% mortgage. Those numbers don't really pencil out very well. And so there still aren't going to be as many houses available for the number of people who are going to want to buy. So I think the Fed is looking at all of this in the aggregate. They don't really don't care what the stock market is doing. That's not a concern for them. Um, I, I just, I think that some of the market participants are hoping for something, um, and they want to see the rate cuts and it'll be good for parts of the economy. It'll be, uh, possibly not good for other parts. And it takes a while for either interest rate hikes or interest rate cuts to work their way through the economic system. So we'll see what happens. But I, I think at this moment, from what I'm seeing, I don't know that the Fed really, needs to move all that much, all that fast, they probably can just stay put and then be data dependent to see what happens in the economy. So that's where we currently are. That's what happened in 2023. There's a lot more detail that we could go into there. Like I said, I have the notes and we can have another hour or two long conversation about it if you'd like, but not on this podcast episode. So here's what I see on deck for 2024. Uh, we do have, as I just said, the looming potential for Fed rate cuts. How fast are they going to go? Is it going to be enough to satisfy both the bond market or the stock market? Is it going to drive mortgage rates uh, to a healthy level? I'm not sure. But we do know the Fed doesn't even know for sure. At least if they do, they're not telling us. And so we have the potential that monetary policy will continue to be in focus. And it will be in focus because it's an election year. 
And so the Fed is, in theory, not a political motivated or swayed entity, but it is an election year and there's going to be some pressure and the economy is going to be a major, major focus of this election. Um, I mean, the biggest things are going to be economy and safety. And what we're fighting about with the economy is all the things I just named. What we're fighting about in safety is not only the southern border, but geopolitical issues, um, the potential for civil unrest right here in our country. People are going to be assessing which form of government or which party or which candidate is going to be better suited to make sure that we have security in our country and that we have a functioning economy. And right now, I think that there's a growing set of Americans who are getting disillusioned with the amount of money that we're sending overseas to help fight conflicts when we have issues right here at home that aren't maybe getting as much attention or enough attention. The The southern border is definitely an issue, and there's a lot of reasons why the border uh, maybe uh, a push or a pull issue for people who want to come across. You know, a push issue is going to be something like um, they need to claim political asylum uh, or their governments are forcing people out or there's genocide, something like that. Um, a pull issue might be where it's just easier to get into the country and uh, the the political system is offering uh, promises and easy asylum. And, uh, you know, it's just easy to come get a job and there's more economic opportunity. And that's always been the case with the border, but it's going to be an election concern as is, uh, as is whatever's happening in our economy. And so the election's there, there's nasty politics on both sides. The Democrats do not have a candidate that is uh, looking like they will um, be able to challenge Joe Biden for the incumbency. And the Republicans, it looks like Donald Trump is regaining, again, more popularity. And the rest of the field really doesn't look that strong uh, or that presidential, as in my opinion. And so we've got some challenges there where we're running at an election where we're looking at possibly another Biden versus Trump election, which really any thinking person in this country doesn't want because it does not breed progress. It doesn't sound like progress. It doesn't feel like we have the best progress possible. And, um, and so I, I think that's, that's a challenge and that's looking like where we're going to be. So it's going to be nasty. It's going to be divisive. Um, will we potentially see civil unrest if we run into anything like 2020 where there's um, accusations of ballots not being counted or being miscounted or being fudged or being, you know, counted for dead people or uh, numbers changed on the election boxes or, or whatever it is. Right. All of those those things, I would expect fully to hear that those things are happening, whether or not they are happening. We're very likely to hear about it because that's just the, the way that we are. Um, in addition to that, we have geopolitical conflict that continues. How will that spill over into not only our own economic policies, but our governmental policies? Will any of that impact, uh, Americans traveling abroad? Will it come over to our shores? Uh, we did see a little bit of that when the, uh, Israel Hamas conflict started, there were some, uh, anti-Semitism that happened on college campuses. There were some 
uh, anti-Palestinian rallies that happen in certain cities in the country. And so we could continue to see some of these things exacerbate what's going on. Um, we're also potentially looking at, you know, are we truly slowing down in our economy, which is kind of the Fed's goal and, and definitely why they've been raising rates. Um, but is it going to be enough of a slowdown to where it feels recessionary or just noticeably feels like a slowdown? And uh, and it's hard to say. We, we, we are seeing borrowing activity pick up. Uh, and what I mean by that is the amount of household debt has increased uh, over the past couple of years. We're seeing more use of uh, credit card debt. We saw for this year, uh, for Black Friday, a lot of people were using the buy now, uh, pay later feature on Amazon and other websites more so than they have in years past. And so there's definitely some concerns about how the economy will slow, what that will look like. And then in an, on top of all of that, we still have housing market challenges that are going to continue and affordability is becoming a, a big issue for both renters and for uh, potential home purchasers and people who have existing homes that want different options. So what I see heading into the new year uh, is that when we talk about interest rates, higher for longer is going to be a thing. I think that we're going to stay above 4% in the Fed funds rate heading into 2025. Again, I, I really don't see why the Fed would need to be uh, very quickly dovish or uh, willing to cut rates uh, at a fast pace. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I'm not even sure that that they'll get to three rate cuts next year. We'll see. Uh, but again, I, I don't know that there's anything that's pressing for them to to do that because rates are high and the, the economy is still relatively functional at this point. So we'll see what happens there. Um but yeah, I don't think that they'll be as dovish as some people are expecting. Uh, what that means is that we'll probably see stocks stay in the high single uh, or low double digit for returns. I think they'll probably just kind of chug along a little bit. There's going to be a enough uncertainty around policy. And uh, what's really going to be important in next year's election is how the balance of power shapes the upcoming tax sunset uh, for the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which is at the end of 2025. And so whoever wins the election, they're going to be tasked with coming up with the new changes for the tax code. So are we looking at just a sunset and we return to um, pre-2018 tax rates and, uh, and, and tax law, or is the tax law going to be amended or changed, or is the Tax Cuts and Job Act, will that be extended? We, we really don't know, but that's going to be very important because it will change the way that we do business planning. It'll change the way we do estate planning, especially if the estate tax exclusion amounts come back down from where they are today. It's going to change how we do financial planning. And so it's going to be very important what happens with tax law. And tax law will impact stocks and bonds alike. And uh, so stocks, I think, will just kind of chug along uh, amidst uncertainty into the year. I think they'll be uh, probably not as runaways we saw this year with a small section of stocks uh, completely going nuts and having gener uh, generating very high returns. I think that'll be kind of muted in comparison, but we should still see a healthy stock market. Bonds will continue to rally as duration gets extended. And what that means is that 
as uh, more money flows out of short-term uh, yield investments. So money's going to come out of money market funds. It's going to come out of CDs. It's going to come out of short-term treasuries, and it's going to go a little bit longer, and it'll pop into seven-year and 10-year and 20-year and 30-year bonds. And so that will push bond prices up as well. And so bond returns next year, I think, will be healthy and probably within normal range. Uh, and if yields continue to drop, I think that trend will continue. And um, and if so, the reason to do that is the real return in longer-term bonds will probably be higher than sitting in, in shorter-term bonds as rates are dropping. So I hope the way that I explain that makes sense. When I'm looking at how uh, at Life Moves Wealth, we will continue to manage portfolios. Uh, I think the current positioning is probably going to remain the same. Uh, we made a, a big portfolio shift later in the year. So from August to October, uh, there was a reallocation. We removed some some of our uh, older or legacy funds in favor of other ones that had a better return potential, better uh total return when we factor in the in the internal expenses of the funds. And so we did a couple of things differently, changed some of the percentages. And um, I think we're going to remain kind of as we are. So the bond mix is going to still have traditional bonds and still uh, some allocation to high yield at the moment. And we're still also looking at managed futures with return stacking. And I'd be happy to share any of that information with you. Send an email to info at Life Moves Wealth dot com if you want to know what any of that means. Um, we'll continue to have an allocation to growth uh, stocks in large cap. We'll have some of that uh, as hedged equity. Small caps, absolutely love small caps. Um, and they're currently trading at low multiples. So I think there's good opportunity for expansion there, especially in small cap value stocks with free cash flow. There's a lot of opportunity there and a lot of flexibility for those companies if economic times do kind of get a little bit uh, more uncertain or if things slow down, a company that's sitting on a fair bit of cash on their balance sheet has options. And so we like those companies. And then of course, speaking of value, large cap value uh, definitely remains in favor as well uh, in this period. And then uh, some other things like semiconductors and you know, various parts of the economy will continue to um, to to be sector oriented and uh, and be looking for longer term stories. That's how I like to invest. You know, what's going to happen over the next couple of years? I'm not trying to chase this year's returns. Um, that tends to be a really good way to get burned. So that's really what I'm expecting for the portfolios. A lot of the same of where we are now. Really, not much movement not looking to make a lot of changes, not looking to do a lot of trading. So expecting growth, some hedging in place uh, in the investment portfolio. Uh, I think that we're still looking at for 2024, real estate will continue to be a challenge. Housing affordability is going to continue to be a struggle. Uh, rent prices have come down uh, a little bit and uh, we'll see if that trend continues, but, um, you know, the housing market is still, still a bit of a challenge. It's expensive, um, to get into a home just because of where home prices are and down payment requirements. And, uh, the cost to borrow on a mortgage is significantly higher than it was a year ago. So that's going to continue to be 
uh, something that, that that many people are going to contend with, especially if you've been renting and, and waiting for an opportunity to buy. Uh, I'm going to tell you that the opportunity to buy isn't going to be because housing prices dramatically drop. I don't, I don't think that's going to be an issue. We have seen them come down in some markets based on the Case-Shiller Index. Um, housing prices have come back down, but uh, they also are starting to rise again. And so... Um, you know, if you see an opportunity in your position for it, it may be worth getting into the house now, letting the price appreciate a little bit, and then when it makes sense, consider uh, a refinance. So if you have questions about any of that, as far as that, that's all financial planning type questions and investment planning questions and business planning, let's have a conversation. Again, you can send an email to info at lifemoveswealth.com. Go ahead and reach out. I'd be happy to talk you through anything that's on your mind or concerns you have. And the last thing I'll say as we're looking ahead into 2024 is that I can almost guarantee you, in fact, I do guarantee that politics are going to be uh, kind of nasty. And there's a lot of people in this country, unfortunately, who are willing to uh, say mean and, and horrible and horrific things and do mean and horrible and horrific things Um in the name of their favorite politician or favorite political party or their religion. And I would just suggest to you, um, when you have the opportunity, just choose to be a good human. We really don't need to spend the time and the energy uh, and, and the loss, the loss that you carry by uh, being somebody who is willing to uh, throw stones and throw fire and throw mud and that kind of thing. So if you disagree with somebody, that's fine. That's the beauty of being human. We don't all have to agree. If we all agreed, it'd be pretty darn boring. So be a good human, be respectful. Um, do your best to be somebody who seeks to understand and uh, before you seek to be understood. And uh, and I think we all can can get along a little bit better, get through the season that we need to get through so we can move on with our lives and uh, continue to do the things that we need to do every day to make a difference in our own little worlds, at our dinner tables, and in our schools, and in our community, and uh, and in our workplaces. So start at the kitchen table, be a good human there, and uh, sweep your own doorstep. And if enough of us are doing that, I think the world becomes a little bit better and more easy to tolerate and um, less likely for all of us to need mental health services for a longer period of time. So that's all. Be good to each other. It is uh, December 19th, so happy holidays, whatever you're celebrating. I wish the best for you and your family. Many blessings. Enjoy yourselves. Have a great time. Make some good memories. And until next time, take care. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Learn more about your financial purpose at lifemoveswealth.com.